another installment, guys, of the Weird Pastors Kid podcast. Um, this is going to be another um, episode in our series of, of, of listener edition of why people have left the church. And this is where I get people who have listened to the podcast that want to share their thoughts on different episodes, um, different um, ideas, different themes that were um, presented in the episodes. and They want to just talk about it. So I have a special guest on the podcast. And could you just let the people know who you are? Sure. Yeah. Uh, my name is David. Um, kind of similar to you, a preacher's kid. Um, so obviously kind of grew up in church my entire life. Um, I did one year at a Bible college where I specifically just studied Bible for a year. And then I transferred to PCC uh, where you and I met there a long time ago. Um, so I finished out my degree there. Now I am in law school um, in New York City. I am not at a, you know, a Christian institution by any stretch. It's, you know, very, uh, I'll say secular university that I'm at. Um, but yeah, like, you know, I grew up in church my entire life. It's kind of something that I've always been around. Obviously, when your dad is a pastor, you don't really have much choice growing up. <laughs> You know, and then not only was my dad a pastor, but both my grandparents were pastors oh, as well. Oh, goodness. Yeah, you are, are, are deep into the yeah. into Christianity here. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, not only that, but I have several uncles who are pastors or who were pastors. Um, you know, I, I mean, it's, I'll say a blessing. Um, I don't really have any extended family members or anything like that where you know I don't believe that they aren't saved or Christian or anything like that so you know it is a blessing in a sense to be able to grow up in a um in a home like that you know definitely something very unique um you know growing up I didn't appreciate it always as much but as I grew older I came to really really appreciate it um so and you know I'm not someone who has you know quote unquote left the church although I did grow up in a independent fundamental Baptist church um you know I don't quite attend one of those churches now but I'm still in church so some people would say you know I've left the church because I don't go to an independent Baptist church anymore and quite honestly I don't have a problem with independent Baptist churches um you know if I found a good one I would go to it but where I'm at in New York City, there just really isn't very many good, solid, um, what you would call independent Baptist churches around. So I'm going to a good church that isn't independent Baptist, which some people might have a problem with that. But, you know, I'm I'm an adult now. I make my own decisions. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, man. Exactly. So so you've been in church for a while. Like if you could, um, uh, I guess you, you could say like you've been in church since like you're in the womb, right? So you've been. In yes. Church oh, yeah. Yeah, a long time. Did you, and I, I don't even know this. This is like me just asking, but do you, did you end up going to like um, Christian schools growing up, like in high school and stuff like that? Oh, yeah. Okay. Yep. I Christian school my entire life. Um, yeah. I mean, we're, I guess I kind of have a little bit different view of, I guess if we're going to talk about independent Baptists and a lot of other people and some of the people I've heard on the show, um, because I grew up, I grew up in New Jersey in a very multicultural, multicultural area. And, you know, I'd say independent Baptists in the Northeast, you know, particularly New York, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Massachusetts, Connecticut, you know, those areas, they're a lot different than um, independent Baptist churches in the South. And that's because many of the independent Baptist churches in the Northeast are, they're integrated. Um, you know, we don't really have, you know, I'll say your white churches and your black churches, you may have a few of those scattered around, but, you know, for the large part, churches up in the Northeast are, are very integrated. Um, so part of what I wanted, you know, one of the things I was going to talk about today was like, you know, the racism in churches, um, you know, growing up, I didn't really quite experience it that much because, you know, a lot of times as you know, the white boy, I was, I'll say the minority in the school or in the church, you know, there was a time where I was the only white kid in, you know, my high school. Um, so I was pastor's kid, but I was also the only white kid. So, you know, growing up, my nickname was gringo or, or white boy. Um, so, you know, I, I have a, I say a different experience than, 
I would say probably many of the listeners, particularly those who grew up in the South have um, just because, you know, I grew up in a very, very integrated church. Um, you know, we had lots of, um, I always loved it whenever we had potlucks, you know, after church or anything like that, where everyone would bring their own food. We always had food from all over the world. Like, you know, my best friend's mom was from Vietnam. His dad was from Korea. Um, I had other good friends from Ecuador, Philippines, um, you know, all sorts of Hispanic, Asian, um, a few African, you know, it was just a very, very culturally and ethnically diverse church that I grew up in. Um, wow. Dude, yeah. not, a, not a lot of people can have that same um, upbringing. You know, not a lot of people have had churches to where it was so inclusive to different, you know, people, you know, so that's really good. And I think that 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 is and I'm going to kind of when we talk about it a little bit, I want to talk about that, too, because, um, yeah, I, I don't want to get too much into what I what I want to say on, on that particular front. But let me just let's get to uh, and because we're going to bring that up, what you just mentioned about your church. But let's ask you this now on the whole series at large. OK, the series just kind of like the idea. OK, the idea for the series of like interviewing people have left the church what's your thought of just the idea of doing that uh, i think it's a great idea um, it's kind of one thing i had talked a little bit with some of my friends about um, you know i still have i have some friends that you know have left the church um, so i'm always you know curious as to okay you know what was it that really you know happened because many of them grew up the same way that i did you know they grew up in a usually an independent Baptist church, something like that. And um, yeah, and it's like something happens and then they kind of just, they're done with church and it's almost like they're done with God completely, um, which, you know, it's good to get to the, to the reason of why. Um, Cause obviously, you know, i still, still believe strongly in my Christianity. I still believe that going to church is very important. Um, so to me, you know, it's kind of important to get to the reason of why so that, you know, we can try and stop this trend of, right. you know, kids our age who just leave the church. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's something great. It's something I've, I've even talked to my, my dad, who's still a pastor, a little bit about, you know, trying to I'll say get him to understand. Um, over Thanksgiving, we took... Uh, he, we drove down to South Carolina to meet my sister there for, um, for Thanksgiving. And like, we ended up driving through the night and me and my dad are both, you know, night owls. So uh, I was driving and he was, you know, awake and we were, we were kind of just talking about this very subject, you know, why, why are kids, you know, leaving the church? And I was trying to explain to him a little bit of, you know, just, just the differences I'll say that my generation has some of it, you know, when we get older, I say it's not necessarily the things that we were taught that we disagree with. It's, you know, how we were taught them. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Dude, but yeah, overall, great, I think dude. it's a great idea. It's something that, you know, really needs to be discussed. It's something that hasn't, that's been, I'll say, neglected for so long by people in positions of leadership. Um so yeah, you know, I'm I'm all for the idea. I love it. I've shared it with a few of my friends, you know, trying to get them to listen to the to the podcast, particularly my friends who are, you know, pastors, youth pastors, you know, Christian school teachers, different things like that, so that they can try and get a better understanding of it as well. Awesome, dude, dude that's so great. I think um the the I think what you just said, I think I wanna man, I I know that wasn't like the 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 real the reason why I wanted to bring you on, but I think you mentioned a good thing which which you said to your dad is just that like I think it's not really the teaching as much as it was just like kind of how it was taught, like like exactly what you said, because I think there are some people that they never were taught like the why, right? Right. So they were yeah. just told, okay. You can't do this. You can't do that. That's not, you know what I mean? So it just seemed like a bunch of like rules. And then like, they never was really explained like, okay, this is just a standard, but this standard isn't exactly like, you know, sin. Like this isn't like a sinful if you don't do this standard. It's just the standard just to keep you from the sin, right? But right, yes. It seems like some people like misconstrued it and, 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 and used the standard as if it's like another commandment from God. And mm -hmm. so- 
then it, it kind of turns us away because we're like, well, what, what's going on? Like, I don't think this is right. Like, why do why do you guys do this? Or why why did you teach us this or whatever? So because we never were really explained the why, I think that really pushed. And I know that's for a lot of people. And I'm going to, man, there's so many people that I'm, I'm going to be putting on the podcast that I haven't released just yet. But when mm-hmm. they release it, they're going to explain their stories. And like, and that's a huge part of it. They're like, I never really was was taught this. I never really was this didn't make sense to me. And then, and sometimes they went and asked people like, Hey, you know, um, you know, ask like a leader, ask this. And then leader was just like, kind of brushed them aside. Like, Oh, well you just need to just obey us. You know, it's like, right. it's like blind obedience. And these people were just really kind of turned away from that. It was like, you know what? I'm done with this whole church thing. And they just left. And, you know, and so it's just seeing and hearing all of these stories. It's like, it's so interesting hearing it. And I, I can't wait to kind of sh- post those other episodes because i think that'll be really helpful for people to hearing that perspective of saying you know what maybe we need to start teaching people the why start teaching people you know that and i think that would be so helpful for our generation especially yeah i'll say that was one thing i I would you know greatly appreciate about my dad is he did as i explained the why um Mm. it's like you know our independent baptist church you know we did have very conservative standards um, but it wasn't necessarily like, you know, they were shoved down your throat. It wasn't, um, you know, you'll, if you, if you love God, then you'll wear, ladies will wear dresses all the time or skirts, you know, a yeah. good godly lady won't wear pants. You know, our church did say, you know, encourage the women to wear dresses and skirts, things like that. Um, but it was never really taught that, you know, you can't love God if, you you know you wear pants is kind of like all right we believe that modesty is a biblical principle and this is how we as a church you know my dad is the pastor and this is how we define you know what modesty is we believe that the most modest you can be is by wearing a dress or skirt and so that's kind of like you know what the church did you know they said if you want to be you know singing choir or teach sunday school or anything like that you know you just have this dress code so so to say that you have to adhere to um but you know i've been in i've been in churches where they say you know if you wear pants you're you know a woman can't love god if she's wearing pants and then they didn't really explain why or anything like that and that is you know completely wrong and i can understand how someone who grew up in a church like that who heard that on a you know a daily basis could you know want nothing to do with church after that yeah Um, because that's, that's just wrong. Um, and that was one thing too, you know, I, I had grown up, I kind of, you know, my junior and senior year at PCC, I kind of went on, I'll say my own spiritual journey, um, kind of a lot during all, all throughout college, really, you know, kind of when you get out on your own, you start reading the Bible for yourself, really determining what your, your standards are as an individual and not just what your parents' standards are. Um, and that was one thing, cause you know, I'd say first couple of years at school, I was still very much in the, uh, you know, I, women should only wear dresses or skirts. You know, I don't necessarily have a problem if anyone else does it, but you know, that's kind of what I want for me and my family going forward. But then I started you know, look at that. And it's like, that really, you know, that may be a big deal to my parents, but, you know, our culture is kind of changing so much where, you know, pants really aren't a thing that aren't just a thing for men anymore. And that's just purely a cultural thing. Um, I dated a girl from, she was from a, a Middle Eastern country and, you know, they are very, very strict over there with their dress and, you know, it was one thing I, I was just talking to her about and she's like, yeah, I've never really, before I came to America, I never really heard anything about, you know, the pants thing because women in the Middle East wear pants all the time. And it was just mm. one of those things where it kind of just like got me really thinking. And I was like, okay, this is really so much a cultural thing. Um, and, you know, that's not really quite, you know, the Bible doesn't really say anything about that. So it's kind of like one of those areas that should be left up to each person's individual belief on that how the holy spirit leads them how they feel convicted about it like i really i have no problem with people who you know they still decide that you know men who want their wives and daughters to wear skirts and dresses like that is 
if that's how they feel um, they're led of the spirit to do, if that's what they feel convicted about, then, you know, that's, it's great for them. But at the same time, as someone who doesn't have that same conviction, I'm not going to think any less, less of them as a Christian because they don't have that same conviction as me. Right. Exactly. Exactly. So I understand what you, I, I, I think that's a huge thing too. Like, um, and it's not just, there's so many different um, aspects that we can go in like directions where for people like, especially the women wearing pants thing and like other things that were, were really mentioned on the podcast. Was there any like um, episodes that you heard, like when you were listening to the series that you're like, you know what, I like that. Or, or even like an idea or some or things that were said on the episodes that you're like, you know what, I, I like that idea. I never thought about it that way. Were there any episodes like that for you? Um, I mean, I really enjoyed the couple episodes where you had, the listener editions kind of where you had the um the the preachers i think there were two preachers because the ones i've heard so far that came on and kind of you know gave their perspective as well um so i think that's i mean it seems to be i kind of caught a a trend it seems like in the people who come on who've been um you know, they're still in church after growing up in the kind of church that we grew up in. And and that seems to be that they had a good home life. It's, you know, yeah. they're, they're, you know, cause they're pastor's kids or something, you know, their dad was, was straight. He taught them, he understood, um, you know, kind of what they were going through. He explained things to them versus some other people who may not have had as strong of a family background that you and I, or some of the others have had. Um, it's I would say almost challenging to me um, you know I recently just got engaged so congratulations again man go ahead thank you um, <laughs> anyway so you know I'm good going forward in the next couple of years you know I'm going to start having my own children and I'm going to need to raise them up and you know it's just something let's say that convicted me is being genuine sincere honest real in the home because um, i know there's a lot of people who didn't grow up like that churches are, are lacking is really good spiritual leadership in the home right exactly it, it's you know a lot of times i'll say parents kind of just leave it up to the pastor or you know to go to if you have any spiritual questions or anything like that and I think it's it's really important for children to see genuineness, sincerity, and spiritual spiritualness at home through their parents. Um, and that seems to be, you know, another big factor on, you know, why certain people leave the church. Um, not not in every case, of course, but you know, I think just having that that spiritual leadership at home is a huge is a huge thing. Um, yeah. So- I think you're absolutely right on that. I think that's like so important to have like a good foundation because I think that, you know, as, as growing up, you know, your kids, you know, the kids are always going to be watching because I was always watching my parents and it was just so good to always see like consistency. Like it was always good to see like, okay, the same person he was behind the, uh, behind the pulpit. He was the same person at home. Like I, you know, I saw him read his Bible. I saw him pray. Like I saw these different things and I saw that his faith was genuine. And that really, you know, I, I can I can really say that that I really think that really had a good impact on me on why I am, you know, still, you know, trying to, you know, serve God and try to, you know, live my life for, for him. I think my parents were a good reason for that. So, yeah, I think you're absolutely right on that as well. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So now we talked about that. Now, what are some episodes like or some ideas you heard on the podcast? We talked about it a little bit. Um, um, you know, you, you messaged me on some ideas and some thoughts. What are some things, can you let the listeners know some things that you kind of disagreed on? What's like one of the things that you disagreed on? Sure. Um, so one thing, i say this isn't quite an idea. This is kind of more just a defense of, of an institution. But um, on one of the episodes, you had someone who came in and she was talking about, you know, some sexual abuse that had occurred in her past and she was talking to a counselor at PCC about this um and I just wanted to clear something up you know regarding that you know PCC is my uh, alma mater and I did actually work on staff there for a few years after I graduated 
and I worked in the, um, the student life department, which was, you know, the department that kind of was tasked with enforcing all the rules and stuff like that. And, you know, I can't say, speak for certain on, you know, the, the um, person or the counselor that she spoke with at the time. But I can tell you that, um, I'll say not, not the mindset, but a lot of, I'll say people like to bash PCC over certain things and say, you know, oh, I went there and said, you know, I was raped when I was younger and they just told me to cover it up because, you know, it would hurt the man of God. That is not what happens there. If that happened in the past, you know, that has completely changed now. Um, you know, I worked in the student life department. We had training on all that sort of stuff. We are what's known as a mandatory reporter. Uh, so if anyone came to us and they started talking about, you know, something that happened to them in their past, we are required by law to report that to authorities. Um, and that is something that we are all well trained in. Um, so, you know, that, that kind of that culture has, I'll say, definitely changed at PCC. It is not like it was, you know, 15, 20 years ago. Um, so I just wanted to kind of throw that in there so that people knew that, you know, that's not really what goes on at PCC. Um, people there who have to deal with that, people in the student life department, they care very much about these people. They do have de dedicated counselors now. They're people with, you know, masters and doctorates in biblical counseling um, so that they are able to, you know, help the students who, who've gone through very traumatic experiences and things like that. Gotcha. So I think I think that um, I think it's good that you mentioned that, you know, on, onto the uh, onto the podcast that 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 um, things have, you know, that how they were taught, how you know about, you know, how to counsel if someone comes to you with certain things. I think that's really good that you had mentioned that. I think, though, that there is I think a lot of times there is like a thing in us where and I think that any I think we're sad when it comes to like any kind of critique on something in like because how I look at it because I, I look at things kind of um in, in a nuanced perspective um I love like when I like when I went to PCC I love PCC I've, I've had no issues really personally with that institution um so when I hear a critique that happened with um a counselor I don't see that as an indictment on the college at large Mm -hmm. Right. So I look at it as that was a situation that I believe that that counselor handled incorrectly. So if someone here like and this is kind of like um, I looked at it more as an individual type of situation, more than something, a systemic issue that happened at the university. So I think that there may be um, that I believe that there are people that just, you know, will just bash universities or bash churches or say things and I think that there are people that do that but I also believe that there are people that are just talking about okay I had an issue with this person and this person may have done x y and z to me but I don't think I don't ever look at that as an indictment really on the whole unless I hear of like more consistent uh situations with a like a institution like um Okay, like, for example, like the, the situations that happen, like, we can say this because we feel better because we're not Catholics. And mm -hmm. I have a Catholic person come in there. But, you know, the Catholic University, they had a systemic issue with covering things up with abuse, right? Sexual abuse and things of that nature. We can say that in the Catholic Church and everyone, me and you feel great because, hey, we're not connected to Catholics, right? And right. then someone's going to come, someone, a listener's going to say, hey, I'm a Catholic and we don't handle things like that anymore. You know what I mean? So, like, there is a way of critiquing something um, without it looking as if it's an indictment on the whole thing. But at the same time, it's good to bring these particular things up. So I'm happy the person did bring that up and let us know that. And I just want to know at large if anybody who's in a counseling position, they get someone to do that. I want them to know. And it's not just at PCC. It could be anywhere who's listening. Um teachers that are listening to it anyone's listening to make them understand okay if someone comes up to me with this my first instance should not be to hide or to cover it up but to really 
expose this and really get this, you know, to, to really deal with it, with that issue. So I, but I understand your point of view, wanting to make sure that the listener understands the importance of that, you know, that's not how we're taught to handle counseling and things like that. So yeah, uh, yeah, I definitely understand that. But um, is there, um, is there anything else though that you, that you heard on the podcast that you want to talk about? Um, You know, obviously I'm in, I'm in law school. So politics are a thing that are, that is a very, I'd say important to me. Um, so I would say kind of a similar, I remember you kind of mentioned it on one of the podcasts. One of the things that kind of, I'd say really, I don't know, changed my opinion, but kind of, you know, made me step back from independent Baptist as a whole um, was the elections in, in 2016. Um, mm. you know, and this was something like, I, I would say I, I kind of, I've been a, opposed to Trump being president since, he announced it on the escalator because I did my own research into him and, you know, I knew he wasn't someone who was honest, someone who was trustworthy. And then politically I disagreed with a lot of his positions. So I'd say most of my opposition to him had nothing to do with, you know, my Christianity had a lot to do with my political beliefs. Right. But, you know, I saw so many people who, You know, I couldn't believe that Bill Clinton was elected when he was such an immoral, you know, ungodly person, and then they're wholly supporting Trump. And it's like, <laughs> you know, Trump kind of makes, at least Bill Clinton tried to cover up what he was doing, not saying that what he did was right or anything like that, but he still had this, you know, idea about him that, you know, what I'm doing, I really don't want that to be public, versus kind of like Trump, who was just like, all right, you know, I'm just openly sinning, and I don't really care, and then yeah. he, he had one of the, an interview before the election where he said, um, you know, I don't feel like I need to ask God for forgiveness for anything, Yeah, and it, it was just kind of like, I was like, all right, how can you still, like, and, and still even today, like, I can understand people who make the argument, like, you know, I was voting against Hillary Clinton, I can understand that, I don't disagree with that, I I, you know, I think that was wrong in its own ways, um, you know, I, but that's not, you know, the people who are just like, oh my gosh, he is the best president that's ever happened. You know, I'm so glad that God sent him to us. Um, and I kind of just had this, I had this, you know, thought one of these days when I saw something on Facebook, someone said something like, you know, Donald Trump was sent by God to save America. And I just had this, yeah. I was like, okay, if if God needs <laughs> Donald Trump to save America, then that's not really a God I, I want to follow. Yeah, <laughs> and yeah. I'm like I know that's not God does not need Donald Trump. Like, God yeah, need Donald Trump, but God does not need Donald Trump to save America. And at the same point, I'm just like, all right, all of you people have really lost what Christianity is about. If you think that God needs Donald Trump. It's kind of like, you know, I wish we could have some persecution now because then it would, you know, make American Christians realize, you know, what's important and what isn't. Um, it's, you know, so many times politics and church, like pastors think that just because they're right doctrinally on an issue means that they're right on every issue. Yes. And that's one thing. There are so many, let's say, pastors and leaders who are illiterate on many political issues. It's like, I'll, I'll see them post things on Facebook. I'm like, all right, I, I'm in law school. I know I don't have, you know, I, I'm just in my first year of law school, but I can tell you what you're saying there is not true. Um, kind of like, you know, for example, with, with the whole, um, the immigrant chain, people at the border, many of them are here seeking asylum. I can't begin to tell you the amount of people I saw on Facebook who are, you know, conservative Christians who, you know, all about the rule of law and all that sort of stuff saying, oh, if they want asylum, why can't they go to an embassy or consulate? And it's like, you can't do that by the law. You have to be on U.S. soil, which, you know, an embassy or a consulate does not count as that. You have to be at this port of entry to, to claim asylum. And, you know, I saw so many people sharing these, these, these memes and infographics all this sort of stuff and it's like you guys you don't know what you're talking about yeah there's so many people who are you know blindly following you and getting their political advice from you david i'm gonna 
man, you are okay. This is what I I'm going to be doing a series, right? Mm-hmm. Um, the next series, and it's going to be I'm going to do some stuff in between. But the next actual series I'm going to do is going to talk about the American church and like politics, right? It's going to mm-hmm. be merging the two. And I think I really want to have you on. And, and I think I, I mentioned, I think on the last listener edition as well, but I just want to mention again, it's like, I believe that there's like different sects of people, right? right? You have those people that I believe are, were Trump voters, but yet they weren't Trump supporters. Right. right. And I think that there's mm-hmm. like a difference between the two, like people that voted for Trump because they're like, well, you know what? I just don't, didn't like Hillary Clinton. You know, of course, you know, the abortion issue was huge for a lot of people. So it's just like, that's what they were like pushing, right? Okay, I'm a Trump. They 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 voted for Trump this way. Then I have I know there's people that are just anti-Trump in, in general. Like I just didn't you know want you know I didn't want Trump to be president. Like I, everything Trump d- d- does and has done is disgusting. And so they're like no, and not just what he does his politics. I'm not for his politics. Like so you have the anti-Trump crowd, right? So I have those, and these are all Christians, right? So yeah. I'm gonna really talk. To, and I got some that are just indifferent with politics in general. So I really talk with all these different people to get their perspectives on it. But really, the crux of why I'm doing that is because I believe that politics and Christianity has merged in America. And I yes. really want there to be a separation. Mm-hmm. Um, David, David Platt is quoted with saying, we desperately, we desperately need to explore how much of our understanding of the gospel is American and how much is biblical. Oh yeah. And good. so I think that we need to really start evaluating the, the Bible and saying, okay, is this really um, a cultural thing, an American cultural thing, or is this really biblical? Because we've merged it so much that for some of our minds, it would blow our it would blow our understanding. If for some people that listen on this podcast, if I introduce you to democratic Christians it would blow your mind. You would think to yourself going, there are Christians that vote Democrat. Like, how is that possible? Because in your mind, you've equated the Republican Party with being biblical. You've equated like these ideas of saying, okay, this, I mean, I've heard messages growing up in my Christian schools that I went to where people were literally, you know, talking about like the second amendment and using the the Bible and saying, this is what we need to use for it. I've, I've been in, in, in sermons where they've taken Republican talking points and have used the scriptures to, to say, this is why, you know, and I under, and, I, and it's actually a good thing to sit back and say, this is why I believe what I believe, but to twist scripture to say that this is why the scriptures in there is for this political opinion is where we kind of have messed up. And I think that we have, we definitely need to talk, really talk about that in a deep way. And I really can't wait to have a series on that, man, because Everything that you're talking about, David, is so needed and necessary for us to really think about it and be like, okay, what are, what are we doing right now? You know, like, what are we doing? Like I, like I mentioned, like, I think you, you may have heard, like, in the last listener edition, when our, no, I actually wasn't on listener edition, it was another episode where I talked about there was a pastor who he had his church, like, did an all-night prayer meeting to pray that Donald Trump becomes president. Like, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, but for some people listening, they're like, well, I don't see the issue with that. I don't see the problem with that. And it's like you've merged your political power with your um, with, with spirituality. Mm-hmm. And for and for some of us, like the Jerry Falwells of the world or whatever, the uh, Franklin Grahams of the world, what they've done is they to me. And this is my opinion. OK, this is opinion, opinion, alert, <laughs> opinion, alert. OK, I believe that those people have sacrificed spiritual spiritual power for political power oh yeah they've sacrificed you know an actual genuine uh true faith for this political like oh man i can be have this political power i can i can i can i can be on all these networks i can be on cable tv like i'm and i think that some of them and not not every pastor or anyone's like that but that are doing this but some of them i think there might be a little bit um drunk with their power a little bit of loving the attention that their opinion gravitates and what their opinion gets. And they can be on Fox News every week if they want to, you know. For, right. So for some people, that's enough for them. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that we need, really need to talk about that in a, in a serious way. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's, I mean, I would love to be back on. Obviously, politics is something I'm very passionate about. And I could talk about that um, all day if we wanted to. So, um, yeah, I won't, really, I won't really say too much more on that. I did have a few other things, though. 
Yeah, um, yeah. Tell me, tell me what, what else, what are some other things you wanted to talk so about? So I think, actually, I kind of mentioned on this a little bit before, but it's kind of just, you know, racism in the churches. Um, and, you know, it almost breaks my heart hearing some of these stories of people who grew up in racist churches. Um, you know, that that's just, I'll say it's heartbreaking to me. I'll say, I guess, kind of, obviously, as I mentioned before, I didn't really have too much of an experience growing up in like a racist church or anything like that. Um, you know, unfortunately, I'll say racism is, you know, so not just something that affects Americans. That's kind of, you know, all over the world, people have problems with, with yep. racism. Yeah. I think a lot of times that's just because, you know, you don't have interaction with people of different races or cultures or backgrounds, yep. anything like that. Um, so when I was, I was actually born in Northwestern Pennsylvania, uh, lived in a very small, small town. Um, and honestly, like when I lived there, we didn't, there was only white people around. Like we didn't have people in our church. We may have had like one or two people who weren't white, but that was mainly just because the demographics of the region, like, yeah, it was, you know, it's just white people lived there. Um, so <laughs> yep. I lived, moved to New Jersey when I was nine and that was kind of like a culture shock at first because, you know, I went from just everybody being white to it's like, all right, there's a lot of people here who aren't white. Um, so for me, that really helped, say, change my, um, not say not, not change my perspective on things, but it really, you know, growing up with, you know, most of my friends and stuff not being white, that really helped me understand different cultures and different backgrounds. But I say one one way that I kind of really not experienced racism in the church, but you know when I moved down south and went to school in the south, I saw, all right, the south is kind of still a little bit behind on a lot of these issues, and not just say that you know all people in the south are racist or anything like that, but you know you still have some of those some of those problems down there. I mean, you don't have any monuments to Confederate generals or Confederate leaders up north not just because, you know, the North wasn't fighting to protect the institution of slavery or anything like that, um, which that could, that could bring, bring up another point. I had a, I had a pastor friend on Facebook who blocked me a couple of years ago. Really? Because I said, this was after like the, the events in Charlottesville with all the Confederate monuments and all that sort of stuff. Cause I said, we really have, there's no reason why we should have these monuments to people who fought who seceded to protect the institution of slavery. And like I showed him, because um, if you go through each of the states when they seceded, they wrote their articles of secession, which basically said, this yep. is why we're seceding. And in every <laughs> single one of them, it says, because we're seceding to protect slavery. Get, so, I mean, I just don't know how you can get around that. I mean, yeah. so if people were just like, no, no, it's for state rights. Like literally, yes, it was state rights. For slavery, like yeah, exactly. It's like, okay, what was what state right? They were very specific on which one that they believed. Um, so anyway, so he he like blocked me and another friend of mine, and like I read this was before he blocked me, but I read another comment. He's like, yeah, this these two young men who who graduated from this Bible college saying that the Civil War was about slavery and that we should take down these monuments to Confederate generals. And like, I would really think twice about sending my children to that institution that they went to because of this. I was just like, <laughs> really? <laughs> um, but, but, but that goes with our argument that for some people, their political culture is merged with their, like their, right. you know, with their spirituality. So they're like, wait a minute, you know, if you're against this, then, how can you be godly how can you be christian because because mm -hmm. to be a christian you must support these these monuments like what are you doing <laughs> yeah so yeah those, that was one of the things and um it's another thing too that i saw when i when i lived in pensacola after i graduated from pcc um i was on staff for a little bit there but you know occasionally i would i would you know, go off, go off campus and go to, you know, just regular churches in the area. Um, just because it was kind of nice for me to go from a church of, you know, 6,000 to a church of, you know, a couple hundred, something smaller, yeah. something to what I was, I was used to. Um, and like, I visited all kinds of different churches just because I liked 
being around different people, different beliefs and stuff like that. One thing that I really noticed about a lot of those churches in the area was how like segregated that they were. And yeah. like Pensacola is a pretty diverse area. Um, you know, it's not like it's, you know, 98% white. Like there's a large community of, of blacks or Hispanics, all this sort of stuff. And so many of the churches were just like segregated. Yep. Um, and it was, I mean, it was kind of like shocking to me because it's like, I'm used to a lot of the independent Baptists in the Northeast being very integrated. Um, and then it was kind of like, wow, I'm here in this, you know, this community that I know is like 40 to 50% African-American and there's no black people in this church. Like, yeah, it's what's kind of going on here. Uh, and I know, I think some of that too is just culturally in the South. It's yeah. still very I say segregated. So I like, I feel sorry for people who grew up in, in, you know, homes or, you know, a society like that, where it's still just not necessarily that it's accepted or promoted. It's just what it is. That's kind of, that's, that's the way it's always been. So that's the way it's always going to be. Right. So that's, that's one thing I'll say talking about that. Um, I know in one of the episodes we were talking about, one of the people were talking about how, conservative Christianity kind of promoted slavery, at least in the past. Uh, and that's, um, that's kind of more so something that happened specifically in the South. I'm sure many of us would be aware of the Southern Baptist Convention, um, how that so it used to be there was just a Baptist like convention in America. And then I believe it was in about the 1850s, the Southern Baptist Convention split because the Northern Baptists were ardent abolitionists. You know, they were trying to get rid of slavery, but the Southern Baptists wanted to keep the slavery. Um, so I think some of that too is more uh, geographical on conservative Christians, because, um, you know, a lot of the abolition in the North were, I'll say conservative Christians, they were reading the Bible, they say, okay, slavery is, is wrong. Like you shouldn't be able to own another man. Um, so yeah i think some of that is is geographical right right Not, you know and I, and i go think ahead. that goes with um what i i think i mentioned this on the on the, one of the episodes before is that Amer the american church is and I, I mentioned it like the american church has like always been like a product of its environment mm -hmm. and i think what's interesting is that I, I said this on the podcast that the american church is more the fruit of america than america is the fruit of the american church yeah. and a lot of times like based upon and i think you know which what you mentioned is based upon the location like most of the time the southern churches were really more you know for slavery and the northern churches were, were, were more against slavery and i think that you know was you know very much true you know and i think and i don't know what exactly was said because i should have probably listened to those um those pot those podcasts episodes are going to go through it but i don't know if if they were saying like okay you know at but i think at large when it comes to the American church in general, like they, I guess they, you know, we would say they were like more um, leaning toward, you know, the slavery spectrum of it. But I think mm -hmm. in, in, in general though, in general, America, like the American church has had such a hard time dealing with race in general. Right. Like it's yeah. just like when it comes to like at large, like when it comes to people that are, you know, and I believe that we'll see these people in heaven. Okay. People that were, you know, um, just there's no way to say it they were just wrong okay they were for slavery they were um like they were um you know they were for set you know segregation they wanted everything to be separate i mean i've heard um i mean i've i mean I've, there's so many times i can tell you messages that i've gotten in 2018 um from people who um from people who tell me that you know uh there needs to be um black and white churches they need to be separate that's how God intended it to be. And that's how we need to keep the races separate. Like I've had, I've had messages and I, I can't, I, I don't want to out people, but I can literally, um, the message that I've gotten from people is just saying like, you know, um, you know, you, you know, we should keep everything separate. That's how everything should be. We shouldn't, we should, and, and that's how God really wanted it to be and everything like that. So I've had that. And I think that, you know, like what you're saying, I think a lot of it might be, you know, the cultural thing, the geographical thing and, you know, and everything like that with people as well. But I think that if we look at it, I think the American church, when it comes to race, even in 2018, 
there might be, for the most part, everyone might be non-racist, but I wouldn't say that the American church right now is anti-racist. And yeah. I think that there's a little bit of a difference. Like non-racist, like, okay, we're, we are, uh, we won't say anything. We won't be outwardly, you know, say anything against, we, we wouldn't ever say that. We think that's wrong. But I don't think anyone is here is trying to find ways to um, make it equitable for different people. Like make, make, uh, I don't even like to use the word equality because I feel like there needs to be, um, uh, okay, for example, and I, and I think I mentioned on the podcast before, but it's like we have churches and we're okay with on Sunday morning for a lot of churches in America, we're very much okay with our churches being predominantly one ethnicity, right? So it's like, and this is not just, and, 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 I, and I hate being this guy because I mentioned it on an episode with Deshaun that I didn't release, but it's like, this even has to do with like, you know, our, our what we call predominantly black churches as well. Like we need to be more inclusive or we need to be, you know, make more people. But at the same time, we know why black churches exist, right? Like mm-hmm. black churches exist because of racism, right? So right. we like, we get that, we understand that. But at the same time, like God told us to reach the world and America's not looking like that, right? And, and our mm-hmm. churches for a, a lot of large portion of it is we have such a bad, um, we, we've done it so terribly. Like, even if you can sit back and say, go back and say, okay, there are some churches that were, anti-slavery great and i'm glad that they were there especially in the north however there weren't many churches even after that because if you look like even with um, martin luther king jr he was getting resistance from from pastors and leaders of churches in the south and churches in the north who was telling him that what he was doing was wrong Mm -hmm. so it's like even though they may have been against like slavery or whatever they were just still i think Christians in general are just like, you know, everything's fine. Like, what are you guys upset about? Like, I don't get why, you know, people are like mad or upset. Like, if you look at the, um, the letter from like the Birmingham jail that, um, that, uh, Martin Luther King Jr. wrote, he wrote something that was just so honest. He's like, okay, he said something like, he's like, I must make two honest confessions to you, my Christian and Jewish brothers. First, I must confess that over the past years, I've been gravely disappointed with the white moderate. And I've, and, I've, and I've almost reached a regrettable conclusion that the Negro's great stumbling block in his stride toward freedom is not the white citizen's counselor or the Ku Klux Klaner, but the white moderate who is more devoted to order than to justice, mm-hmm. who, prefer, who prefers a negative peace, which is the absence of tension, to a positive peace, which is the presence of justice, who constantly says, I agree with you in the goal you seek but I cannot agree with your methods of direct action, right? Mm-hmm. So this is something he wrote years ago. But if we're going to be honest, there's so many, like, people today, so many people that are Christians that can literally embody that whole idea, right? This yeah. is say, you know what? I agree with what you're trying to do, but the way you're doing it, I don't think that's the right way. I think that you're stirring the pot too much. I think that, you know what I mean? So I just feel like, Yes, the there and when when we talk about generalities, we can always find instances, or we can always say like, okay, well, I understand what you mean. In general, you got you're correct, but then how about this instance, right? Or we can always pinpoint like situations, and we can say, okay, well, what about this? I mean, well, for example, we can talk about police brutality historically, but then you can always find there were some good police officers that did the right thing. So. Mm-hmm. That, but that doesn't negate the overall point that you're trying to make, like the general idea, you know what I mean? But I do think that it is important for people who don't know history to understand that there were American churches in the North who were abolitionists, who cared about, who were anti-slavery, okay? They were trying, they, they were doing their, their, their endeavor best to make this country, you know, a, you know, anti-slavery. So we do not have any more slaves here in this country. And I very much appreciate those Northern Christians who were abolitionists, who cared about, um, who cared about that issue, because that is very, very much important. Um, however, I do think that it's, it's still a wise critique to look at the American church in general and just say, okay, I think that 
And when it comes to race and race relations, the American church has always seemed to be a step behind even America at the time. So America maybe say, okay, we need to be against this. And it seems like there was a large group of American churches that were like, nah, I'm not really for this. <laughs> uh, I'm not really, I'm not really for it. So I did, that's, I think the overall point that, that people were trying to make on the, on that, when it comes to that topic, I think we were just talking in generalities, but mm-hmm. it is good for you to mention that there were churches, especially in the North and geographically that cared about um, being against slavery. Right. I guess something too along that lines is, you know, it's just uh, like a caution about complete generalities. Um, okay. It's like, you know, when you say, you know, most say, you know, most Asian people do this, or, you know, most Methodists as a denomination do this, then if it's something that's, that has a negative, you know, connotation to it, then it kind of tends to give you a negative view of that group as a whole. Um, Because then you're kind of like, all right, well, if I know that, or, you know, I believe that, you know, most, let's say Baptists, are racist. I know not all, but how am I going to really de- determine which ones are, which ones aren't? Do I really want to visit this Baptist church because they may be racist or they may not be racist? Um, so, you know, that's just, I mean, I don't disagree with anything that you just said. I'm just saying, you know, as a whole, sometimes making generalizations can be, you know, dangerous in a sense, you know, just make sure that, um, or so you know anyone who's listening just you know so you almost take that with a grain of salt just you know use your own wisdom to kind of determine you know whether something like that is true or not which you know i do i do agree that you know you could generalize a lot of churches as racist but just because most churches are doesn't mean that all are right exactly exactly which i think that's that's kind of you know along the lines of what you were saying Right, 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 right. Yes, yes. Okay, so people that are listening, uh, okay, I want to make sure I, I emphasize this. There are good churches out there, okay? The church that I'm going to is a great church. I love the church that I'm at right now. Um, and so there are good churches out there. And I think um, when when I get people, like get um, people that I interview who are explaining why they left the church, I want to make sure I mention this too, is I don't do a lot of pushback on anything that they say or any ideas or any uh historical things that they may, may mention on the podcast and the reason why i don't do that is because i want my podcast and when i interview these people um to have how can i say it i really want them to um, feel like comfortable to just um speak their stories in a comfortable way i don't want people to sit back and say well you know if i get on this podcast he's going to just argue with me about x y and z and that's, that's not my my goal so when i get people on you may hear things that you're like ooh, i don't know if i agree with that or i don't think that's exactly right here and i won't combat them with it or i won't like attack them because i i want to hear their whole story in, in its entirety and i want to hear it so that's the reason why i like i let people talk or let people say things or i don't interject and be like okay we should mention this um, but I think that um, that's kind of why I do it, what I do um, um, with everything. And um, and so, yeah, th- if, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I say one thing, too, like, you know, in any sort of life or job or anything like that, you've got to get used to people disagreeing with you. Yeah, exactly. That exactly. Is, <laughs> you know, people have all kinds of issues. Like, uh, there's there's people at you know my law school who I, who I disagree with very much on political things or religious things or anything like that but you know I still know okay this is a classmate of mine I, I need to get along with them if we have to work on a group project together um, it's kind of just you know don't be a jerk and right. people won't hate you <laughs> exactly because yeah. I mean you can disagree with someone without and I think that's another thing in, in, in our society now in like our American society it's hard for people to bring up politics or bring up anything because we don't really know how to disagree civilly. Right. You know, yeah. like it's so like confused. And then it, that's bled over to our Christianity as well, where a lot of Christians, they just don't know how to just disagree with like, okay, we agree to disagree or we're like, okay, that's a good point. Like I understand that. So it's, it's good to hear people. And I think, I, I wonder how people are like in their own like relationships with like 
with the people that they're with because if you're in a relationship that person that you're with they're going to tell you hey i disagree with this how do you handle that when it happens do you like run around in your corner and say i'm gonna block you i'm right. done <laughs> like what do you like what do you do in your own personal life because you have relationships with people and these people are going to say well i don't agree that you handled that right or i don't agree that you did this correctly or whatever so like what do you do in real life like we have to get to the point of understanding how to disagree civilly but i just feel like there's too many internet thugs man to be honest <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. much able to have you know we can argue all we want on facebook and then when it comes to real life it's kind of like you know we're a lion on facebook and then a sheep in real life like yeah yeah, yeah. it's kind of kind of funny but you know i know i'm i'm a little bit different because i've always enjoyed debate and yeah exactly sometimes like i'll just i'll even i'll just play devil's advocate sometimes just for fun <laughs> you're I that enjoy, person okay i enjoy gotcha. it some people don't um but yeah and one one other thing too about one of the episodes that brought up was um, something was said about like white privilege and how you know white males have never had any any problems or any instances of discrimination or anything like that in in America, um, which you know obviously I am a white male so <laughs> <laughs> really yeah. So, you know, for people, oh, you're just a white male. But, you know, as I said before, I grew up in a very, you know, multicultural thing. It's not just something I grew up, you know, in the South, you know, just around other white people or anything like that. You know, I am engaged to a black girl. Like, you know, I am, you know, I wouldn't say that I, I fit into the average, your typical white guy type mold. Um, so, but I will say this, like, as a whole, yes, white people have other groups of America, particularly, you know, Black people, African Americans, you know, obviously slavery was a horrible, horrible wrong, the segregation, the Jim Crow, all those sort of things that followed after that was wrong as well. But I will say this, uh, you know, some white people have experienced, I'll say, discrimination in America. That wasn't always because of, you know, necessarily the color of their skin. It had more to do with their um, country. Religion. Origin or their religion yeah um you know for one example my grand my great-grandparents um my great-grandfather was irish he was an irish immigrant and he was not allowed to marry my great-grandmother because my great-great-grandfather hated irish people and hmm. so like my great-great-grandparent or my great-grandparents literally had to wait until my great-great-grandfather died so that they could get married wow yeah and and that i mean that's just that's just talking about marriage but when you look at particularly the 1800s there was a huge huge um resistance to irish and italian immigrants coming to this country and a lot of times they were you know when they got here they were paid horrible wages they were forced to live in the slums of boston new york and philadelphia all these other places or they went and you know worked on the railroads going out west and you know they were just treated horribly and that was because they were irish or they were italian um which you know that that's wrong as well so i, I will say that although they haven't you know white people haven't had to suffer as much on a whole um that is something that they have had to deal with then i will say as well this is kind of um to a lesser extent and probably our own fault because of this Say, but for a long time, America's, you know, military forces really, even until Vietnam, basically, were were highly segregated. So it was, you know, when America was at war, it was mainly, you know, the young white men who were being sent off and who were being killed uh, for people's protection. Which, you know, I know that's kind of you say our our own fault because we were the ones who segregated it. Uh, but at the same time, you know, that that's something very you know, you've had over a million, a million um, people give their life in defense of this country, and, you know, a vast majority of those, you know, would be white. So just kind of saying that white people haven't really had to suffer anything in this country, which I know service of your country is not the same as, you know, segregation or not being allowed to, you know, go to a certain restaurant because of the color of your skin. But at the same time, I'm just saying, you know, white people have had to suffer some things in this country, not maybe not the same as other people or 
specifically because they were white. Um, but, you know, they have faced persecution because of religion, because of their country of origin. Um, right, right. I so, think, I think that, that's not really that big of a deal. Like, yeah. But, you know, it's just something I kind of wanted to clear up historically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think the person who made, and I kind of listened to the episodes again, but I'm pretty sure she, I don't think she said that, that the white people never experienced privilege. Maybe I'm, I mean, never experienced um, discrimination. I think what she said was it's, it's hard for white men to understand privilege. Because yeah, I, I think that's what was, I think that's what she said, or something like that. I have to listen to it again. But needs to say, yeah, I, of course, you know, if you look at it, everything, you know, if you look at it, look at that issue, you know, historically, there were times in this country, you know, that, you know, of course, like 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 you just mentioned, there were a, a lot of a lot of white people that were discriminated against in America, uh, due to their origin, due to their religion, all those different things happened in this country in America. So it is good to 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 have that understanding, bringing that up historically for everybody. So definitely um, appreciate um, appreciate that, and I appreciate you guys being on. Um, appreciate I mean you being on, and guys, if and if there's anyone else out there, if there's some things that you um, you've heard on, on any of the podcast episodes and you want to come on, you want to share some things that you like, some things you didn't like, we would love to have you. I'd love to have you on on another episode for our listener edition here as well. So I definitely, definitely appreciate um, all my listeners so far, man. We've had such a great couple of months here um, in uh, November and December. I'm really hoping that this new year in 2019, um, we can really push this podcast to another level. So I really appreciate everyone for listening. Um, David, I really appreciate for you be- for you being on, man. Especially for you sharing your point of view, man. And it's so needed. And I and I really am excited to have you on for another episode, man. Yeah, no, I, I appreciate it too. It's it's great. I always love talking about these sort of things. So I appreciate you having me on. No problem, no problem at all, man. So guys, this is another installment of the Weird Passes Kid podcast. I want to thank you guys for listening. Peace.